Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. The message for tonight um, is a, a conclusion of the series that we've been in called Unboxed. And the passage that we've been looking at, uh, we're going to read it in a moment, is Hebrews, I mean, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. And that is a powerful passage because it, it contains a, a prophecy that was given about the most amazing event in all of history. The most significant, life-changing event on the planet. In fact, uh, the very date on your phone was determined by the event that we're celebrating here tonight. And I'd like us to read that. He, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we are in the fourth of this series. So far, we've covered that Wonderful Counselor reveals the wisdom of Christ. And the titles in this passage reveal the nature and the work of Christ. So, Mighty God re- reveals the power of Christ. Everlasting Father, as we said last Sunday, reveals the love of Christ. And tonight, Prince of Peace reveals the peace of Christ. And so, we're going to be taking a closer look at peace. And what is it? You know, oftentimes in history, they'll say there were seasons or periods of peace. And what they really mean by that is it was an absence of war or conflict. But peace is more than the absence of conflict. It's more than the absence of war. Um, Peace is also the presence of contentment. It's also a state of tranquility. Peace is a sense of well-being. And so tonight I want to talk about how is it that we can experience the peace of Christ. And I want to talk about it in three areas if you're taking notes. There are three points. Uh, Number one is peace with God. Number two is peace with ourselves. And number three is peace with others. And so as we focus on peace with God, uh, we all know that Jesus came to forgive us. We all know that he came to uh, reconcile us in our relationship with him, to make peace with us. But to be honest, um, isn't it quite difficult to experience that? I mean, we don't always feel like we're at rest and at peace with God. Oftentimes, life can feel chaotic. And life can feel like we're striving. And things are not in order. And I'm not at peace. And and why is that? And, you know, there are many reasons. But tonight, I just want to focus on one of them. And it's probably one of the major factors about why we do not experience the peace of God. And that is this. It's fear. Fear is one of the major reasons why peace escapes us. You know, there are many things that we're afraid of. Uh, And I'm just going to mention two of them. These are probably the most common. Uh, One of them is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. And you know, we have good reason to be afraid of that because just about everybody in this room has felt the pain of rejection. We know what it's like to be hurt. And we don't want it to happen again. So why not be afraid of it, right? (laughs) I mean, why not have your antenna up 
you know, just in case, because we don't want that to happen again. It was pretty painful the last time that it happened. The problem with the fear of rejection is it's very real. We have been hurt. In fact, some of us have been traumatized deeply, and there's deep pain from life experiences, from relationships that didn't go right, from expectations that were not met, and even betrayal. And we're hurting on the inside. And without God's help, what happens is those experiences kind of get us trapped in the past. And it's almost as if we can't overcome the pain of the past. Somehow there's a reminder that pops up again and again and takes me back to that pain. And the problem with that is that when we're living in the past, we're not really in the present. We're not really in the moment. And yet God created us for relationship. He created us for love. And he created us to be in the moment with people. Have you ever noticed that when you're in the moment with people, that that's the time when it feels most alive? I mean, the girls and I were at breakfast this morning at the table. And uh, I don't know how we got into this. We were getting into this healthy banter and competition about who's faster at something. We're all competitive. And, uh, oh, I know what it was. Nicole said that she could text faster than I could. And, and she was referring to the dictation on my phone. You know how Siri can record what you say and then type it out? And I said, no way. And I put out my pinky like, let's bet. <laughs> and I don't know how it crossed over, but Nicole and Tara got into a little competition. And they said, well, I can text faster than you can. Because Tara was doing something on her phone. And I said, wow, that is weird. That is the fastest one-finger text texting I have ever seen. And... Uh, and Nicole commented, like, yeah, that's really weird. I never do that, you know. And Tara said, well, I'm not one of those millennials who has the pose. And, you know, and uh, they got into this competition. They said, okay, we're going to text. Dad, you give a sentence that we have to text, and we're going to text it to you and see which message comes in first. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they did. And uh, Tara won, like she often does in these little family competitions that we have. And she started to do this weird kind of awkward little, yeah, I'm the winner. And her little sister said, stop that. Don't subject us to that. She said, if you're going to win, at least have an appropriate victory dance. <laughs> you know. And we were just going back and forth in the moment, in the present. We were connected and tuned in and it was so much fun. And we were laughing and jabbing each other. You know, that's so different when you ever, you ever, with somebody, and they're not like really there. They're someplace else. Maybe they're in the past. Maybe they're in the future. And speaking of the future, there's, there's something else that takes us there. I talked about the fear of rejection. The other common fear that people have is the fear that my needs will not be met. The fear that my needs will not be met. And as a result, we're always thinking about what, what do I need to do to give assurance that my needs will be met? Who do I need to be? What do I need to say? What do I need to do? And it's constant. And we're just always operating in that mode of living for the future. You know, and Armin gave that word during, where's Armin? Right there. He gave a word during Ignite. Ignite is our monthly evening of worship and prayer. And he, get, he got up here and he said, you know, so often... We're in the tyranny of trying to get ready. 
You know, we're always feeling like, you know, before I can really be, before I can really live, before I can really be used of God, I have to be ready. And he said, that's, that's corrupt thinking. God doesn't operate that way. I mean, who's ever ready? Nobody raise their hand. (laughs) He said, God is not looking for you to be ready. God is looking for you to be willing. And if you're willing and you're trusting, God can use you. Amen. And so this fear that my needs will not be met, and I'm always trying to think about how am I going to secure that and how am I going to get ready, prevents us from living in the present, in the here and the now. God doesn't want us to to live that way. And I want to share with you just a, a quick tip to help us kind of troubleshoot this dilemma that we get ourselves in. And it's this, you know, so often we think that the key to being successful and being effective and being fruitful and being all that I was meant to be is that I just have to have right thinking. You know, and there is a place for that in Scripture. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we think, you know, if I just know enough, if I get the right knowledge, if I put all the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, pretty soon my life is going to fall into order and I'll have my act together. And then I'll be ready. (laughs) But that never happens. The truth is we're figuring it out as we go along. Right? I I used to try and pretend like I knew what I was doing when I was a young parent. And I I had answers for everything and needed to impress. And, you know, one of my older mentors, he said to me, no, we're just trying to figure it out as we go along. (laughs) He was a lot more honest than I was. And so the thing is this, we we don't need more knowledge. Knowledge is not the key. Knowledge is not the answer. I mean, if knowledge was the answer, we'd have a whole lot less problems. I mean, how many of us know that the speed limit is 35 miles an hour for most roads on Guam? I see a few hands. How many of of us abide by that? (laughs) I see fewer hands. (laughs) See, it's not about knowing. There's something else that's going on. And the Bible makes it very clear that when we appear before the Lord, the thing that he's going to look at is not, the, not what we knew. He's not going to ask what's your IQ or what was your SAT. What he's going to look at is what was the motivation behind things that we did? What was our motive? <laughs> and that's an area of life that we don't always pay a lot of attention to. You know, we, we, we go to school. You know, we take courses. We get certified in this or that. But how often do we stop and ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing this? And you know, when you look at the whole Bible and what life is all about, there's really only one motive that counts, and that's love. Unless we do things out of love, then it doesn't matter. You know, didn't Paul say that in 1 Corinthians? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, if I know everything, if I do miracles, it it doesn't count if I don't have love. And the reason God wants us to live that way, you know, science and psychiatry is catching up with God thousands of years later. (laughs) But they're discovering now that your mind actually works better if you're operating in love as opposed to fear. You ever see people who are afraid and they almost like get frozen, like they don't know what to do? Sometimes we can't think when we're, when we're super afraid. There is a fear center in the back of the brain 
where it, it registers when we're in fear. But joy, there's a, there's a joy center in the front of the brain. And they find that when a person operates out of joy, they're much more effective and they're much more fruitful. And they're much more natural and healthy and it's life-giving. But when we operate in fear, it has all kinds of negative consequences. There can be anxiety attacks, which is a mild form of fear. It can raise your blood pressure. You know, you can be nervous. You, can, you, you won't be yourself. You're always second-guessing what you're going to do. What are they thinking? What am I going to say? Who wants to live that way? It's better if we're sitting around the breakfast table like me and my kids and just harassing each other and having a great time and laughing about it and having competition. You know, that's really what God wants is for us to live in love. So we want to live in love. We want to be fruitful. God is in the process. Ophi said it. He who began a good work in us is going to complete it. Amen? He's going to complete it. He's going to get us there. But there are some hindrances that, that, that I want to talk about that prevent it from happening. And all of this I've been talking about so far is about peace with God. He came and he made the way. But it's up to us to receive his forgiveness in order to be at peace with him so that we can live in love and not live in the past or live in the future, but live in the present. But one of the things that hinders us is this second point we talked about. One was peace with God. The other was peace with ourselves. And one of the reasons we, we, we don't have peace with ourselves is because we know in our head God has forgiven me, but in, in, but in, my, <laughs> in my sense of right and wrong, sometimes I have a hard time forgiving myself. God, I know you forgave me, but I don't let myself off the hook. In fact, I, I do all kinds of things that just, you know, kind of like self-condemnation. I'm a prime example. I used to be super like that when I was a non-Christian and when I was a young Christian. I had this bad habit. I would review these memories of times when I had made a mistake or I had failed or I said something stupid or people didn't laugh. And I would, I would remind myself of these things. I would, man, why did I do that? You know, and the one that stood out the most in my mind is I love to run. I love to run. But my knees retired, so I had to quit. But uh, I, in fact, I used to be addicted to running. In fact, 10 years after I quit running, I was still addicted. And, and I would be laying in bed, and I'd be thinking about races, and my heart would start to race, and my palms would start to perspire, and... and the adrenaline would begin to flow, and all of that stuff was just automatic. And, but anyway, there was a, one memory I used to run through. And um, when I was in high school, I ran on track. And I was running the 200 meters. And if you know a track in the 200 meters, you start out in the curve, and you come out of the curve, and you hit the straightaway, and you finish the last 100 meters down, down the straightaway. And so um, as we came out of the curve, I was in the lead. I had a really good lead. And right as we got to the finish line, there was this African-American guy. His name was Tony Green. He went to GW. I was at JFK. We had this healthy... Any GW people here from like way back when? <laughs> My wife, okay. No wonder we have fights all the time. <laughs> There's this healthy competition. But anyway, Tony Green, he was like the all-star for basketball, the all-star for football, the all-star for track. 
And this guy came from behind me, and he was scooping air. And right at the finish line, he stepped in front of me and leaned like this, and he beat me. I tell you, for years, I went, why did I lose that race? <laughs> you know, and I, and I did that about all kinds of things like that. And how many of you know, if all you focus on is your mistakes and your failures, that's very self-destructive. You remember Mission Impossible when it came out? Some of you are too young to know, but when Mission Impossible used to be a TV series that came out way back when. And every week they would get their assignment on something called a cassette tape. (laughs) And after the assignment was over, there was always this standard phrase, this message will self-destruct in five seconds. And then there'd be smoke. I tell you, man, I would be rehearsing these messages in my mind and it would be like self-destructive. And it got so bad, I, one day I was, I was in college. I was probably a sophomore. I had become a Christian just a couple years prior. And I, I woke up one morning, and I just felt spiritually sick. I was so sick, I literally could not get up out of bed. It wasn't anything physical. I didn't understand what it was. It was something emotional. And all I could do was lay there. I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to do anything. Didn't want to get up, go to breakfast, nothing. I just laid there. And all I could do was just cry out to God and go, help. I don't know what's going on. Just help. And, you know, I didn't know anything about inner healing back then, but God did. And he took me through a session. And he just sovereignly allowed my mind to go where it needed to go. And I went through every one of those memories that I used to recall at night before I went to sleep. And I would say, Lord, you forgave me for that. And so I agree with you, and I forgive myself. Then we go to the next memory. Lord, you forgave me for that, and I forgive myself. And the next memory, and the next memory. And there were so many memories. It just it went on for a long, long time, all morning long. And you know, when you go through some deep emotional things, you get very tired, and I fell into a deep sleep. I woke up later that afternoon... And I went outside, and I tell you, the sky was bluer, the grass was greener, the air was fresher, and it felt like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, wow. It was like I had a brand new life. And it was all because I'd come into this place of being at peace with myself. I'd made a decision to be gracious toward myself and come into agreement with God in how he responds to me. And so Jesus came to give us peace with God. He also came to give us peace with ourselves. And thirdly, he also came to give us peace with other people. How many of you know relationships can be tough? You know, my wife and I, just just this week, um, I know none of you do this, but we got into an argument. (laughs) And... um, I'm not, I don't even remember what we were arguing about. <laughs> you ever have that couples, you know, you get in an argument and after a while you even forgot what you were arguing about? <laughs> and, um, oh, I know what it was. Uh, the, the girls were flying in and she made a poster with a couple of their pictures on it and she decorated it and said, welcome home. And she had Christmas decorations and ribbons and everything. And, and she had it stationed in the living room. And I came home. And she said, uh, how do you like my poster? And instead of saying, oh, that is so really creative. Good job. You know, the girls are going to love it. Instead of saying that, all I said was I kind of looked at it kind of serious. And I said, 
did you buy those ribbons at Payless? And I didn't know it. She got offended and she got hurt. And we were like in this funky zone for, you know, going on for a day. And, you know, and you know, you're always in an argument where it doesn't matter what the other person says. You always have a comeback. You ever have, you ever get in that stage of your relationship, (laughs) you know, and you're not even talking anymore. It's just, everything's rebutting each other. (laughs) And, you know, the girls were going to fly in and, and we just said, you know what, we don't want to be in this state. <laughs> and we just had to forgive each other. And, and the thing with me was, we, we kind of, we traced it to the root, is I didn't validate. I didn't validate. And it, it's a common thing with me. It's something, and you, you know, when, when you have primary people, family members around, you know they always do something that bugs you? <laughs> you know, what is that thing? <laughs> You know, and, and for me, it, was, it wasn't validating. And that, that was something that, that's an area that I need to develop. And, you know, with, with the church family here, I'm always encouraging. I'm always validating. Every email, thank you for your time. Thank you for what you do. I really appreciate you. You know, you make us look good, all of this. You know, but we act different in family, don't we? It's like you let your hair down, you relax, you know, the true response comes out. You know, you're a little short, little, you know, curt. You know, you say something you wouldn't say to somebody else. You know, that stuff comes out. And, and how, do you, how do you get to be at peace with others? There's only one way. Jesus came to establish forgiveness on the earth. Of all the things that he could have done, he knew the number one need for all of us was forgiveness. Forgiveness is like the reset button in relationships. You just, you just push that red button and we can start over. If it's true forgiveness, we can start over. If it's total forgiveness, that's a whole other message. But here's the thing. You know, when we learn to be at peace with God, when we learn to be at peace with ourselves, and we learn to be at peace with others, you know what we're learning? We're really learning the language of love. We're learning how to love God, to love ourselves, and to love other people. And you know, when we do that, like I said, the research is finding out that we're much more effective. We're much happier. We're much more fruitful when we're operating in that zone instead of the other zone. <clears throat> and so I just want to encourage us to, you know, consider these titles of Christ, Prince of Peace. Each one of these titles reveals something about the character of Christ and something unique about him that he offers each one of us. And it's life-giving and it's life-changing And if we can learn to respond to ourselves and respond to God and respond to others with forgiveness and love, there will be peace. There'll be peace in your life and you'll be at rest. You'll be healthier. You'll be happier. God knows what he's doing when he talks to us about how to live. He wants us to follow after him in his footsteps and to be like him. He is the prince of peace and he wants us to walk in peace. Would you like some of that? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the source of peace. Father, thank you that you came to freely share and to allow us to experience the fullness of peace and joy and love.
And I want to invite you just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And as we usually do, just ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What is it that you're saying to me? I want you to take a moment, as we did in the beginning of the message, just to tune into God and listen with your heart and ask God, what are you saying to me? for the ways that you're speaking to hearts here tonight. And Lord, your people are listening. Father, tonight we want to respond from our heart to you. Whatever it is that you sense God is impressing upon you, I just want to give you some time alone with him to respond. What are you going to do with that? Father, thank you that you see each response. God, thank you that you're patient. Thank you that you honor and respect each person here to make their decision as best they can. And I thank you, God, that you are faithful to take us from there to the next step in the journey. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address perhaps a few other people in the audience here tonight. As you've been hearing me talk about a relationship with God, you're realizing that's something that is attractive to you, something that you desire. Perhaps some friends have been talking to you about God, and you realize there's something there, and that's why you're here tonight. You came here because you're searching came here because you want to do business with God. And if that describes you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him. If you've never made a conscious choice, a very clear choice to say, God, I'm opening my life to you and I want to invite you to come into my life and I'd like you to reveal yourself to me. I want to experience you. And if that's your desire, then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. And it's nothing super spiritual. It's just making a decision. And then telling God about your decision. That's called prayer. And in a moment, we're going to pray. I'll pray out loud and you can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And if if you would, the signal is this. Just to simply look up. And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And then we'll do that. And so if you'd like to make that decision and join me in a prayer to invite Christ into your life, then go ahead and look up at this time. And we'll pray together in a moment. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, I see you there. Anybody else? Okay. Yes, I see you there. 
little guy in the back. Anybody? Yes. Okay. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Okay. I see you. Yes, I see you over there. There. Okay. All right. Let's pray. God, I'm here tonight because I realize that I need you. God, you know that I believe in you, but today I'm taking it one step further and I'm choosing to act on that belief by making a decision to open my life up to you and invite you to come and be a part and allow me to be a part of you. And so God, I open my heart and my mind and I ask your spirit to come and dwell within me Lord, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that have been hurtful to myself and to others. Lord, you know what those are. And Father, I thank you for Jesus who accomplished forgiveness on the cross and I received Jesus and his forgiveness so I could be at peace with you and at peace with myself. Father, I pray that you would help me to be at peace with others as you teach me a new way of living. God, would you give me a new start? Would you show me how to do it? Show me how to live your way. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.